Please listen carefully. Hello, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that Realtors face. I'm Jessica Toon. I'm John Haley. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. The information, forms, and laws referenced in this episode are accurate as of the date this episode is first released. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hey, Jessica. Hello, John. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? You know, hanging in there. Yeah, settling into the new house for your first holidays there. Settling in, um, you know. We're finally figuring out where everything is in the house. Um, I've narrowed my stuff down to like three or four unpacked boxes right now, which I think is real progress. So I think that's pretty good. I, you know, it's shocking to me that we're finally getting to the end of this seemingly never ending year. So, you know, that's very true. It is. It feels like it's March 385th right now. That's yes. I, I agree with that, but nevertheless, it is December, so it let's is. talk about letters letters of intent, though. You know, traditional festive tradi- topic. <laughs> the traditional topic of, of the holidays. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so letters of intent, um, you know, they can be really helpful for commercial or otherwise large or complicated deals. They really can help the parties hammer out terms in advance of the formal contract process, and they provide a roadmap, you know, to let the parties see where they might be in agreement or, you know, where they might not be in agreement, uh, which could allow the parties to determine in advance that they are not even in close enough agreement to, to enter a formal contract. But, but, if a letter of intent isn't part of the formal process, what exactly is it? And what kind of steps should the parties take to ensure there is no confusion about the formality of their agreement to certain terms? Right. So letter of intent is, it's not a legal term of art necessarily. So there's not one specific way we can define it. And there's no real specific list of what one might need to contain. It's, you know, generally considered to be a written document that lays out terms that the parties already agree to or understand to be agreed to in advance of entering into a contract. It's really kind of, a, you know, more of a framework. Right. So, you know, while a lot of the terms and conditions in the letter may eventually end up in the final contract, the purpose of a letter of intent is not necessarily to bind the parties, at least not to the ultimate contract. So, the intentions and the context surrounding the letter of intent are very important. You don't want there to be any confusion for either party as to whether the written document is a letter of intent or a contract. So, calling and or, you know, titling the document a letter of intent is, is helpful as it makes it clear that it's not a contract to purchase or lease real estate. But parties should also be clear about this through their actions and their communications. It's also best practice to include some specific language regarding the non-binding nature of the letter of intent, if that is indeed what's intended. The form letter of intent to purchase a commercial property that Virginia Realtors provides has this language. This document is not an agreement, purchase offer, or a binding legal instrument. Its only purpose is to allow the seller to review and consider the proposed offer. If seller is desirous of selling the property, a purchase agreement will be prepared using the information contained herein. It is the intention of the parties to negotiate any remaining terms of the transaction and enter into a purchase agreement within 10 days from the execution date of this letter of intent. The parties are not bound until a purchase agreement is executed. I'd like to note that that also contains uh, the legal terms herein and desirous. If you hit a couple more of those, we'll hit legal term bingo, I think. 
Yes, of course, of course. A lot of words, right, to say this is not binding, right, to make sure that these enter, you know, these parties are not confused about the nature of the agreement. Now, if the parties want parts of the document to be enforceable and others not enforceable, they'll need to be really clear about this as well. The language needed might be something different, like except for sections of this letter of intent, which shall be binding on the parties and clearly marked as such, this letter of intent does not create any legally binding obligations on the parties. So what's normally included in the letter of intent? Well, purchase or lease price is usually the big one. The form that we provide for a letter of intent for a purchase also includes common conditions like the buyer being satisfied with the title and survey search and inspection and confirmation of any outstanding questions regarding zoning. It also has a list of potential seller warranties that could be included depending on what the parties are looking for. Things like the potential seller verifying that they have no outstanding or pending litigation or bankruptcy, which could derail the sale, or that the seller is not a party to any other contracts for the sale of the property. And while those specific warranties that we just mentioned are probably best practice to include, the idea with the provided list of warranties is not to include them all just because. The parties really need to determine what exactly they want and to draft the letter of intent accordingly. It's also worth noting that Virginia Realtors also provides a form letter of intent for lease, which includes places for terms like renewal terms, option to purchase, and maintenance, among other things. Jessica, how about we take it to the legal hotline for old time's sake? Let's do it. My client entered into a letter of intent to lease a property. The letter of intent indicated that the rent would increase during any renewal term by 5%, but the formal lease both parties signed shows 6%. What should we do? Well, the lease is what's going to control here, absent some language in the letter of intent indicating that the agreed upon renewal term would be binding. Everyone should very carefully proofread the lease or otherwise final contract before signing to be sure that all intended terms are included appropriately. There may be other arguments to be made here, such as a bilateral mistake or the parties could agree that it was an honest typo and amend the contract, but it does show the importance of transferring terms accurately from the letter of intent to the contract. John, my client submitted a letter of intent to purchase a commercial property, which included my commission and the other broker's commissions at certain percentages. The other broker amended the letter of intent and in place of his commission percentage, he wrote, quote, refer to listing agreement. What do I do? Well, first you need to know what the listing agreement says about the other broker's commission. And ideally get that information presented correctly on the letter of intent. But again, the letter of intent will not be binding unless you have language to that effect. And the letter of intent and final purchase contract are between the buyer and the seller. So you may need an additional document where you and the other broker formally agree to the terms of any kind of commission split. Let's talk about limiting your risk. Ideally, parties entering into a letter of intent should discuss any concerns and expectations with an attorney before drafting and signing such a letter. If your client has already entered a letter of intent before you got involved, take a close look at it and discuss the terms to make sure you are on the same page with your client. Be sure to refer them to their lawyer if there are any gray areas so they can iron that out before entering into the final purchase contract or lease. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes and rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the four members section. 
make sure you are logged in to see this page. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as a public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2020. This podcast features the song Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.